So I'm just wondering if any of you were paying attention during that first scripture reading. Did anything in that scripture reading catch you a little bit like not possible? Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. I mean, I figured everybody's heart would just skip a beat at that point. Right? I mean, how many of you came in to worship this morning not worried about anything? Does my kid have a shirt on the right way? Do they have a shirt on? Can I be forgiven for all of the non-Christian things I said to my family to get them here this morning? (laughs) Do not worry about anything. Wow. I just can't imagine what that would be like, really, in a sense. I mean... The last two weeks in our world have been pretty crazy. I mean, we're not, thank goodness, in a world war during the Vietnam War, the Korean War, but it just seems like things are pretty relentless at this point. We talked about this last week a little bit. And I think it can sometimes get, be easy to, be, to not worry about those things necessarily because they sort of become background noise because they're not right here at home. But we have plenty of things here at home and in our own homes that worry us, that can distract us. I've said recently that I don't know how how anything gets done in corporate America these days. When I first came here, um, Circuit City was, um, you know, to me anyway, known as this big corporation, you know, supposedly this powerhouse, all this sort of thing. And one of our elders worked for Circuit City and and she, I think, did internal marketing or something. I, I have, still have no idea exactly what that meant, but whatever. And so we had a regular monthly meeting, she and I. It was on the calendar every month. And, and maybe she didn't like me. I haven't figured that out. But it seemed like every month she would call me a half an hour before it was time for our meeting. And she would say, my manager just called me into a meeting. I've got to go. And then ultimately we would usually meet that month. But it was this, uh, forgive the, the word, but it was, seemed like a pretty schizophrenic way to run a business. That we were having these emergency meetings every day, trying to fix things. Let's get it right. Let's get it done. It's like, what's going on that you're not able to, you know, I can see that every once in a while. But. And in talking with many of you, you know, a lot of the corporations that are here in Richmond, I mean, they, they undergo a, a, some sort of a transformation about every six months. You know, because we've got to, we got to, we got to make sure the stockholders are happy. So we need to, we need to reorganize, which basically means, um, a manager in your department, we've got to cut a hundred thousand dollars out of your budget. So you just figure it out. Whoever needs to go, go. And just about the time a manager's got his or her team together, that's when that comes down. And so you're back to square one again, trying to make sure that your team knows what the heck they're doing to try to get the work done. 
or you hear, you know, as it filters down from the CEO's office that there are layoffs coming. And so you spend a year every day going in, walking on eggshells, going, well, when is this going to happen? Is it me? Is it Mary? Is it Fred? You know, is it, is it the key member of my team? Is it, is it my manager? And so then the whole department's going to be gone. I mean, when you have that kind of worry and distraction on your plate, I, I just don't, I, I don't see how, I mean, I don't see how you guys get stuff done sometimes. How you even go into work and think about what you're doing. Somehow you, you're mastering a way of pushing that down, pushing it aside. And then there are just the, the things of life, right? I mean, do I have enough money, period, <laughs> to live? Do I have enough money for retirement? How are my kids doing? We can get so worried and distracted by things that, are, that we think may be coming down the pike that we, that we forget to find that happy place. That's why I asked you about what that was for you. What was your happy place? Some of you looked at me kind of funny, so maybe you need to find one. Maybe you need to figure out what your happy place is <laughs> or, or develop one. I've got, some, I've got some suggestions for you. But this is not a new, this is not a new thing. I mean, the, the problems of humanity are basically the same problems. They just scale differently with all the different technology, I think. In the Gospel of Luke... Um, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, this is verses 38 through 42. Uh, Jesus had, uh, before this in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has, uh, has sent out the, the 70 to, in, in, in um, groups of two to go serve, and they've come back and have done just amazing things. He, he's been tested by the lawyer. We talked about this last week, about who is my neighbor, and so this is, what, this is the next thing that, that Luke r- records. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. Now, traditionally, this scripture has been interpreted to, to, to lift up the role of study and focusing on Jesus in that sort of way, on study and prayer and worship, and to downplay the, the busyness of, of, of doing things, say, in the kitchen or whatever. Can you see how this, can you see how this uh, is not a helpful text for women if you interpret it that way, at least traditionally? Right? And that's how it's been used many, many times, is to, to sort of downplay women's work in the church and to upplay what had been traditionally seen as the men's work, which is to be studying at the feet of Jesus and, you know, and listening for what, for what he's doing. I, I don't think that that's really 
man, that may be convenient for certain, yeah, people, certain guys. I mean, I don't know if you've been, if you've been, on, if you've been around the church more than, I don't know, 10 years or so, I mean, you, you realize that, that even before women were given, um, were, were, were given um, or, ordinations and, 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 and all those sorts of things, be able to be leaders in the church, I mean, women were the ones who ran the church. Men thought they ran the church. They're the ones who went to meetings and, and made decisions, but it was the women who, who did the work. And so it seems like this is an easy text then to sort of say, oh, well, that's, that's how it's supposed to be, you know. I think there's something a little more subtle going on here. In the Middle East, hospitality was and still is something that's very, very, very important very important. If, if someone came to visit you, you, you cleared the way for them. You, you wanted them to be incredibly comfortable. You, you wanted them, and you wanted it to be like they didn't have to lift a finger. It was very much you wanted, to, you wanted to lay out food and you wanted to make sure things were clean and taken care of at a moment's notice. Be ready for somebody who's, who's coming. I mean, even to the, even to the point of in the, in the 23rd Psalm, it says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies... There was a tradition uh, in the Middle East that if, if, someone, if someone had done something and another person was pursuing them, that if the person who was being pursued came to someone's home and, and asked them to, to be able to stay for them, they, even if they were a criminal, they had to be hospitable to them. They had to prepare food for them, and the person who was pursuing them couldn't come any closer during the time the person stayed there. Isn't that, it's like, we think that's just crazy. But it's all about hospitality and about respect and about caring for people. And so, you know, as she's getting things ready and as she's doing all this, she's, do, she's doing the needful thing, isn't she? Right? What, what's expected of her? getting things ready, preparing food, doing all these things. It's all, all needful, all, 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 all necessary. But many people have said, oh, well, he, he calls her out for being busy. That's not what he says. He says, you're worried and distracted by these things. You're worried and distracted by these things. In some sense, I think Jesus is saying, you've lost the reason why you're doing them. You've lost the reason why you're doing them. You're doing them to love and to care for the people who've come to your home. That would be my simplest sort of, sort of thing. And so he offers up his sister as an example to say that she's, she's paying attention to what, to what is needed. She's, she's, in a sense, coming alongside of me and, and listening to me. It's not that, I don't think he's saying, oh, well, she should, that's all she should do. But where her focus is, is important. Where her focus is, is, is important. Because we can be doing all of the right things in our lives... But if they're basically just worrying us and distracting us from the things that are most important, like paying attention to relationships, loving our neighbor, loving our family, 
serving God with all that we have and all that we are, then doing all the right things is actually just tearing us apart rather than helping hold us together. Churches get into this really easily. Because, you know, we... We, we, we look at what God asks of us and we're like, oh, well, we need to be doing a whole bunch of stuff. We better get to work. We need to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And we forget why we're doing it. We forget the purpose and the center. Now we're back to the theme of the sermon series. And the center of what is supposed to be our lives individually, but also corporately as the body of Christ. And the center of our lives is supposed to be Jesus. It's supposed to be a focus on seeking what Jesus wants for us and wants for other people. Worry takes us away from ourselves, doesn't it? Most of the time, what we're worried about is we're worried about that something in the past is going to come back and bite us in the present. (laughs) Or something in the future may happen. And usually it's not something good. We're generally not worried about something good happening. You ever notice that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried that my boss is going to give me a raise. What am I going to do with all that money? I just don't know. No, I've already got plans for that. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm not worried about that. No, I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm going to get the axe. You know? I'm worried that I stayed out a little too late last night and this morning my wife is going to have a couple words for me. You know? Interesting how worry takes us out of ourselves and it's generally about things that we don't have much control over at all. Or if we do, if we begin to worry about them, then we'll just do something about it and let it play out. You've got to do now the things to help take care of the future, for sure. But worrying about them doesn't help you get anything done. Jesus also said, you know, don't worry about your life. Will, will, will worrying about your life add one more hour to your life? Will it add one more hour to your life? Worrying? How many hours has worrying and distraction taken away from your life? So what are we supposed to do with that? Well, I think it's just a, a continual reaffirmation of finding the places where Christ can speak into our lives. Finding that happy place, whatever that is. I met with a, a I meet with a group of pastors about every two weeks, and, and there's just there's four of us, and, and we meet together. and And this week, um, the opening question was just you know just a softball kind of question: How's your prayer life going? And wow, wasn't it interesting to listen to four you know church professionals talk about our prayer life and how easy it was for us who ought to know what the needful thing is, really. Again, ought to, not a great word. But how distracted we can get so easily from things that connect us to Christ. When we, when we know we're the ones who are called, probably, to be the ones helping to model that for other people. 
And then the interesting thing, too, was how worried some of my colleagues were about how, well, maybe I'm not doing prayer correctly. Oh, goodness gracious, we can make worry out of anything. He says, oh, well, I'm I'm praying every day, but I'm just not for sure if I'm getting enough intercession in. I I don't know if I've given God enough praise. And I was just like, man... I'm just happy to sit down for 15 minutes and just let God speak to me because I got nothing. You know? You're worried about saying the right words. I'm worried about having any words whatsoever. That's, I mean, what a wow. I mean, we can make <laughs> worry and distraction about almost anything. And I don't mean at all to downplay the seriousness of things in our lives, right? I mean being concerned about if we're going to be able to take care of ourselves into the future, that's real. Being worried about whether our parents are going to be able to take care of themselves or, or if there are things happening with them. Being, being worried and, and about you know, a friend who's gotten a cancer diagnosis. What's going to happen with them? Or, or is there a test that we've just had that we haven't gotten the, they haven't gotten the answer for yet? And, and speculation about that. I'm not, I don't mean to downplay that at all. But here's the thing. Christ is in all of it. And no matter whether we live or whether we die, we cannot be separated from the love of Christ. No matter what happens in our lives, We cannot be separated from the one who gave himself to inaugurate this new kingdom that we get to see glimpses of now. This new kingdom where everyone and everything is reconciled together, where everything is put to rights, where everything and everyone is healed and set free from all their infirmities. Jesus as the, as the first fruits of the resurrection, the first one to be resurrected, which is the future for all of us. He inaugurated this new kingdom that we might always, even in the midst of things that trouble us, even in the midst of things that worry and distract us, that we might come back to that hope and that promise to do that work right here in the world. That we're not just waiting here in some time capsule, waiting, for, waiting to be you know, cast up into heaven, but that what we're doing is we're looking for the ways in which that new kingdom is coming to life right here on earth. That even in the midst of bombings and trucks running over people and cancer and, and all of this, that there are places, there are places where the grass is growing up through the rubble of humanity where there is love and there is hope and there is grace being shared, where we are committed to doing things that show the love of Christ to other people, to show them that there is something beyond what we can just see with our eyes. And that takes faith and trust in Christ to be able to work for that and to, and to keep our focus there. And so that's why we need every day to be worshiping and praying and studying the Scripture and connecting with brothers and sisters to keep us connected with the One who is our new life in Christ. We have to stay connected. 
I'm going to tell you about some of the some of the grass that's growing up in some of the rubble of this life. Over the past oh year and a half or so, we've been partnering with a group called Reestablish Richmond. It was started by a guy who's a, a Christian guy who who saw the need in the city of Richmond because he saw that refugees were getting were getting um, placed here in Richmond, but there 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 wasn't a very good system for helping them to get reestablished. And most most legal and these are all legal refugees. These are people that for whatever reason the United States government has said that you are legal, we want you to legally become come here to be refugees for whatever for political reasons for religious reasons whatever we we're bringing you here. And they and they're basically told you're going to go to these cities. Generally, you know, that may not be where any other family's going. That may not be I mean it, it it's and they've got about 90 days to get the paperwork going. I mean, to really get things happening for them. And, and I don't know if you've ever had to work with governmental agencies in any way, shape, or form. DMV, for example. You know, sometimes, I mean, we complain, and I know we've got people who work for DMV, so I'm now going to get emails. But anyway, sorry, guys. Anyway, so, yeah. I, but it's just, it just is. Things turn slowly. And, and so imagine now you've got 90 days to get your paperwork together or else you're going to be outside of the law, you know. So this organization was started and, and, um, and the executive director just told me the story uh, that they, they went, they, they were, there were all these Afghani women that had come. And so she went to one of these apartments, and this apartment, you know, was, was probably no bigger than, than like a third of this room right here. And, and there, she said there were like 25 women and all the kids. And they just packed this little apartment, and there was a woman there who was able to translate the language that they spoke. And, 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 and one of the things this, this translator said was, you know, I'd love to help these women, but we've, we've got to have a space. We can't, we can't meet in these apartments. There's just not room for us to do anything, and these and these women need an opportunity. They 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 need to be able to they need to learn how to drive because they're they've never had to before. But they can't they can't even leave their apartments really because they're not close enough to walk anywhere and wherever they were living. And so so anyway, we started working with Reestablish, and and they said, you know, can we can we use a classroom to teach drivers ed? And I said, heck yeah, that sounds great. You know, what do you need? Oh, we just need a classroom, we need a screen. Okay, fine, we got, we've got that. Yeah, I mean, big deal, right, for us? Open the doors, got room. Well, I didn't realize the impact was having. She came and, and she was sharing the story with me. In the last six months, they've had 55 people complete this driver's ed training and now are able to, to drive and to get around and to, and to begin really living into this life in this new land that is their land now. We did that. Because we weren't worried or distracted by the fact that most of these folks are Muslim. We saw a need, and we said yes because of Christ. That's grass (laughs) growing up through the rubble of what's happening in our world. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be part of. And so whatever's worrying or distracting you today, just bring it to Christ. Whether you think it's sort of foolish or whether whether it's, it's, it's dead serious, just bring it 
in prayer to Christ. Bring it to Christ. Bring it into, into the circle of your friends and your family who know that Christ is leading us in this new kingdom and that it may not be fully present yet, but it is to come and there are glimpses of it here and now. Because I'm going to tell you, we need to nurture this grass that's growing up in the rubble. We need to stop being worried and distracted and have Christ as our focus. May that be the work in your life this week, this month, and for the rest of your life. May Christ lead you and guide you so that you might not worry. But in everything, with prayers and supplications and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray.